BizQuick podcast hits on the struggles and advantages of being an entrepreneur. It's for anyone who's made the commitment to burn the boats and not look back. Are you a busy entrepreneur or small business owner trying to do it all? Then this podcast is for you. Corey and Julie will take you through the details of building a strong business. Hit the subscribe button and gear up for another episode of BizQuick Podcast. Hey everybody, what's happening today? This is BizQuick and I am Corey. I'm Julie and I'm so curious if you're going to cut that part or if you're going to leave that We're going to keep it in there because I forgot how we start these things. That so, happens sometimes. Yeah. That happens. Anyway, so we're going to have Bruno Pesic on the show and I probably butchered his name. He's from Norway. He's um, got that weird umlaut yeah, over his S. It's not an umlaut. It's like a, he's got a U on top of the S. I don't know how Yeah, I don't works. know how you say it either. It's anyway. what's going to be interesting. But he he's, he's a consultant. He's in Norway. He does a lot of work with... Uh, businesses to help them just become more efficient. Um, he does uh, some of the lean integrations, I'm exa- uh, assuming, by um, what his bio said. And so it's it's something that we kind of hold near and dear here at SB Pace in terms of getting people out of just the day-to-day n- operations of their business and thinking bigger picture. Because one of the things that we always talk about is firing yourself and getting, getting out of the this getting out of the, the weeds like you need to be looking more at strategy and not focusing on the little things and it's hard as a business owner to give up control and you look at the the pennies and the dollars that you could save if you could just do the work yourself but if you step back there's probably a lot that you can outsource automate make more efficient whatever it's just it's you haven't because people aren't taking the time to do that work and that's like it, it's a hard it's not easy. It costs time. It costs money. But in the end, it's, in theory, going to make your business better. Yes. You just used a lot of words. Sure. I was like, is he going to take a breath? Hey, it's my turn to talk now. You and Scott <laughs> Miller blew it all the other day. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We did We did talk a lot. Um, I think it's really hard to get entrepreneurs to understand, you know, and we're talking specifically if you've got a small team or maybe even if you're just a solopreneur of how to make that turn, right. Of doing everything yourself and very frequently not focusing on those really high value tasks that can make a big difference in your business. Sometimes it's just easier to do the small things that don't really benefit you, but, you're more comfortable doing them, right? So maybe, you know, you're more comfortable, just an example, you know, someone might be more comfortable, you know, writing blogs all the time and thinking that that's a really great way to get their their name, their brand out there and, and help people understand, see the knowledge they have. But, but if they're not doing anything to get people to sign up for the blogs or they're not posting them anywhere, then it's kind of wasted work because it's wasted effort. So you're not focusing on the right thing. So how do you, um, what, what, do, why do you think it's so hard and so challenging to get entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, like these small business owners to understand the value of making this shift? I, I think part of it is it's just the devil, you know, you, you're used to doing, you have your daily routine with your business, with whatever it is that you're doing. And 
the re repetition is easy, even if it's hard work. It's easy to, I already know what I'm going to do the next three days, the next month, the next, whatever, because I've already got it mapped out. This is my daily routine. And as much as people like to say that change is good and what people are resistant to change, even the business owners. And so it's hard for people to step back and, and it uh, maybe it's a pride, bit of a pride thing in there. Like I, I'm not doing the best job that I could. Like I'm, I'm the business owner. I should be doing the best. And it's like, no, you can actually, you can find somebody to do that better for you or do it quicker or do it cheaper. Mm -hmm. And it's it, like, I'm sure there's a pride thing. And then it's also just at the end of the day, you've just put in however many hours and you still have to go pick up the kids from school and bake dinner and find time to uh, catch up on the emails and all that. You just, there's just not enough time in the day to, to, to take advantage of, the low hanging fruit or making those process changes or just improving your business. Yeah. I was, I was wondering if you're going to hit on like ego, right? Cause I think a lot of times it's hard for people to ask for help and say like, Hey, I'm not, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure I'm doing the right things. Right. And as entrepreneurs, we tend to think a lot of entrepreneurs tend to think that they know everything, right. Where, you know, in school we're always taught to be, that it's best to be the smartest person in the room. But as entrepreneurs or, you know, business owners, I think it's it's more beneficial to be the dumbest person in the room, right? So that you can learn from everybody else. I don't know about the dumbest person in the room. But. Well, if you're in a room full of entrepreneurs, I think you're, ideally you want people in that room to be smarter than you so that you can learn from them and you can grow your business. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and you, obviously you want to be smart about your business, but if there's certain things, cause you, like if you, if you produce a product, you provide a service, that's great, but you might not be the best at accounting or marketing or uh, hiring or employee training or whatever it is. Like there's a lot of, a lot of things out there that uh, entrepreneurs have to wear all the hats sometimes. So it'd be nice to learn how to wear one better. Where is that, sure. how it, is that how the phrase goes? Where one, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Yes. I also think, you know, we, we tend to not want other people to see our shortcomings, right? Like we, we think like that makes us less than when the reality is, you know, asking people in your network or that you look up to for help, like, Hey, how do I do this is well, one people like to help. And two, you're just going to benefit yourself. But some people can't even see that they need to be doing that. That, yeah, it's that, that ego thing, the pride thing that we were talking about. And it, it's hard to, as an entrepreneur, to say that I don't know. Mm -hmm. Especially when you're talking around your employees, because your employees, in theory, are supposed to look up to you as uh, they, he has all the answers, she has all the answers. But, I mean, it, it's also nice to look to your employees and say, hey, you're the expert in this. What do I do? Yeah, run with it. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I think we need to take a quick break because we got Bruno coming in here in a second, but we will see you all on the other side. With so many things competing for our attention these days, efficiently acquiring and retaining customers is critical for small businesses. And that's why we launched Certivium, the newest business from the SB Pace team. Certivium is a business created specifically for entrepreneurs who need a hand with customer service, customer engagement, and social media management. We are an affordable option that any small business looking to grow needs to help maintain the most important part of their business, their customers. Find out if Certivium is right for your business at certivium.com. 
Welcome back to the show, everybody. We've got Bruno Pesic on. I almost got it right on the it front was so end. Close, yeah, Corey. so close, so close. I probably still got that a little bit wrong, but we're gonna run with it. Um, how you doing today, Bruno? Oh, I'm doing excellent, and so happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you. We're glad you took the time out to join us. Now you're joining us from Norway, so that's correct. Yeah. All right. Um, you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm an engineer by background, but uh, what I do most of the time nowadays is uh, help people innovate profitably. Perfect. Yeah. So we we work with, uh, well, we were reviewing um, your website and, and some of your materials and you, um, I, I guessed correctly with the, the engineering background that you'd probably do a lot of like the lean integration, um, helping people become more efficient and that's something that that we do from like on the business side, on the operation side, in terms of helping people just kind of get out of the the day to day operations and work more on the big picture. So, uh, is that kind of what you're doing with your clients as well, or are you more like helping them just innovate on their products? So, when I talk about innovation, you correctly identified like adding lean and other approaches. Uh, to me, innovation is all about value flow from the beginning. To the end so you must be good in operations you must be good in understanding customer you must be good in creating what's needed to satisfy that customer so i would say more of this systems-based approach you know end-to-end value not, not just either operations or customer side or etc does that make sense it makes, does yeah total sense so typically when you're working with what are what are some symptoms that a business owner might have that you would know like, ooh, this is the type of person that I'm really good at helping? Well, it's really simple. They start talking how no one understands their product and it's not selling as well as they hope it will sell. They put in a lot of effort. They put in a lot of love. They use their own expertise and they made something that makes a lot of sense to them. And I know that feeling because, as I said, I'm an engineer. I actually started in defense industry, creating different products, and you love them. You know, you, you make them yourself, and you just fall in love with them. And that's that's an easy way to detect the symptom that something isn't really going right. At what point do people engage with you? Because I, I would believe that if I have a product and I think it's good and it's out there, I'm going to dump a a ton of money into marketing first. I'm going to try and find somebody to help with sales. I'm going to try and pull all those levers before I maybe do that introspective view of, of my product of maybe people don't understand what it is. Maybe it's not as good as I thought it was, or maybe it's just confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that often happens. So what, what I usually suggest is, you know, the best is before you invest money in developing the product either me or anyone who offers similar service, something like that. Like start from understanding what the customer needs, not necessarily wants, but needs, especially what are they spending the money on right now. And this is something really underappreciated from the small business owner side. They forget that their existing customers and future customers are already buying similar products. The cheapest, fastest, and easiest way to understand how they themselves can make a better product is to understand what our customers buying right now. And even more important, what are they doing with the products they're buying? That is a really cheap and efficient way without spending hundreds, you know, six figures or seven figures on a marketing company or innovation consultants or, or whatever. And at least from my perspective, I'm all about pragmatic and 
affordable approaches to innovation. Yeah, I love that pragmatic and affordable approaches. We're um, very, very similar. It's it's um, it's sort of uncanny. I'm wondering if you frequently experience with um, with some of your clients where they are so in love with their product that they really stumble over making these, you know, these necessary changes. We have, for example, what we frequently see is somebody could have a product that is, you know, let's say it's a $20 product, right? And it's a great product, but the product is, the price point of the product makes it so that running paid ads on social media is not a great idea because the, you know, price per click might be way too high and they're losing margin or perhaps they're actually losing money on the sales and getting them to understand that there are so many other levers they can pull before they get there. Because, you know, the world says social media, everybody buys off social media, social media, social media, social media, and they've got this product and it's a great product, but they can't really get it out to the world because they know how to, they know what they like, but they don't really understand the rest of the business. Mm. No, I completely agree. And uh, what, what I like to say is, you know, uh, they don't see or understand that product is something that the customer sees. But on the business side, it's not just the product. Product in a bad business model will fail. So the same product in a different business model might succeed. It's, it's like what you say. So if you depend on social media and a click-through rate isn't good and, and the cost per click is too high, your business as a whole will be failing even if the product is good. But if you take that same product and you put it in a business model that depends on word of mouth marketing, referrals, something similar, it might actually be thriving. So you as a business owner, you must also understand how does that product fit into your overall business model from operations to delivery. Business unfortunately isn't just about the product or just about the value proposition. Sure. And when you're working with somebody who's developing a new product, I know a lot of business owners out there or innovators or whatever, they want to have the perfect product. They don't want to go to go to market with anything that could be have any kind of defect or it doesn't have all the bells and whistles or whatever it is that they need. Like, do you have to coach people on kind of accepting some some level of like it's not going to be perfect? Like it's it just saying, all right, 90 percent is good enough. Absolutely. So I'm sure you experienced it. So did I. And as I said, I also suffered from that and I still do from time to time. So it's helpful to have a second party that will you know, kick me in the ass and say, Bruno, this is good enough. Stop, stop polishing it. And what at least the process I go through with people is first, will it harm someone? So if you ship it as it is, is it going to hurt your business? Is it going to physically injure someone? Is it going to cause any type of emotional, psychological harm? If that's out of the way, then let's start looking. Is it actually going to help your customer achieve what it's supposed to achieve? So if you're selling, uh, let's go trivial, if you're selling uh, protection for iPhone or whatever, is it going to actually protect the mobile phone? If yes, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can start shipping. So once people understand that, it's much, much easier. And of course, once they experience the value of getting immediate feedback, from the customers and then use that to improve their product, it becomes psychologically so much easier. So I would say this is all about you know, training and discipline. Once people feel that it isn't so scary to you know, publish something that isn't perfectly polished, 
they will be more open to that idea, especially when they do it again and again and again and again. How do you uh, how do you work that feedback mechanism into the the iterations of the product? So uh, everybody out there is a critic. Everybody out there has an opinion. And if you get a bunch of people saying, I like this, I like, I don't like this, here's an idea. Like, how do you help the, the, the innovator, the product, the business owner decide what they actually want to act on? So I, I love what you said, like everybody is a critic. That's hundred percent true. And especially for business owners and entrepreneurs and innovators, you always put a little bit of your ego in your idea, in your product. So of course it, it feels a bit hurtful when someone is criticizing that. What I tell to people is, remember, only one group matters, that that is spending money on your product. It doesn't matter what your wife says. Okay, of course it matters, but it doesn't matter what your <laughs> friend says, you know, what your neighbor says. Only people that are buying or are supposed to buy your product, their feedback is the only thing that matters. That helps a lot with this, you know, feeling overwhelmed by all the critical feedback. And, and people like to nag, you know, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Yes, thank you very much. One year in, one year out. It's only people that spend money on your product that matters for feedback. If they are being critical, then you have something to work on. If they are not being critical but are praising you a lot, that's also something to reflect on. Because if you're performing much better than you expected, you must understand why. If you thought you would sell 100 units, but you're selling 1,000 units, why? It's great that you're so successful, but if you don't understand what's driving your success, you will not be able to repeat it. If you're not able to systemize your business, no matter if you're five-person company or 50,000-person company, you will not be able to keep repeating your success. And that is very important, especially today with such a fast-moving world. Yep, I, that understanding the why, um, regardless of if, it's, if you're ahead or behind of where you think you're going to be, um, is such an interesting concept that I think a lot of people only look at when it's on the negative. I want to go back to um, when you were um, talking about, you know, that it's releasing early, you know, it's like 80% done. Like don't go for perfection is a really smart practice in a business. And I want to, I want to pivot that just a little bit and ask you how you guide clients who have a product and it, 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 it's out in the marketplace already and it's not really selling. And so their solution is to introduce a second product <laughs> because we see that all the time. It's like, okay, well, this one's not selling, so let me do this. And it's like, oh my God, can we sell the first one first, please? So how do you, how do you deal with, do you see that and how do you deal with it? Yeah, I have, se I have seen that uh, also. So what I usually suggest, or I mean, this is my approach. So. What's important is to let people fail. Obviously, they're already failing to sell that product, but they need to see for themselves why is it not selling. It usually means there is one or two persons that are really, really buying into that idea, but are not seeing the data themselves. It might be that the owner came up with the idea and then a team executed on it or something else. So it's important that the owner sees sales data, direct feedback from the customers, works the phones, uh, works the store, whatever, whatever is the business, they must see firsthand that it's not selling. And then it becomes much easier to go back to the drawing board and start figuring out, okay, stop. Let's, let's not create more waste in the system. Let's go back to, to our first and original product and figure out why it's not working and what are the small tweaks we can do to start selling it. Because that's actually 
cheapest and the fastest return on investment for the company. And again, it works for both small and medium size and startups and etc. When it comes to those small tweaks and the return on investment, uh, I, two things I like to talk about because we call that the low hanging fruit, like just the simple quick fixes that you can do for your business, whether it's uh, changing a product or implementing a new process or whatever in, it is in your business, and then performing that return on investment, understanding what you're going to get out of that. How do you help people walk through that? Because as an engineer, like it, it makes sense if you do X number of units at this rate, you're going to, here's some dollars, but for, you know, not everybody thinks that, that, that way, like an engineer would. So how do you walk your, your customers or your clients through that? Well, it's usually easiest if you have some sort of uh, visualization, be it a whiteboard or something in person, pre COVID era. <laughs> now, now we use dashboards, a mural, mural, whatever, but really people find it extremely helpful to have it visual in front of themselves this is what's going to come in and this is how tall that bar is this is how much we're going to spend and this is how low that bar is and the moment they see physically this difference they immediately understand add in some color coding and voila that's it and i know this sounds so trivial but most people are afraid of numbers on paper once you start putting them into visuals into charts they're immediately, aha, uh -huh, connecting it. I mean, there's a reason why infographics are so popular because people can consume and comprehend them much, much faster than necessarily spreadsheets. Of course, I suggest to every businessman that's serious about their success, you must learn how to read a spreadsheet. It, it is a useful skill to have. Totally agree. I love spreadsheets. If I could put everything into Excel, I would. I stopped uh, listening. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> there was just a glaze went over her face that she was I was done. like, wait, oh, okay, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it really is. And, and understanding those numbers because the, the, the numbers don't lie, but you can make them lie. You can manipulate them and, and you can bring emotion into your decision making, which to a degree can be helpful because like the numbers only can tell you what the numbers can tell you. Like you, you might have information outside of what's on that spreadsheet and you have to make that decision. So do you help people figure that out where they have that gut feeling? Like, I feel like this product's going to be better if we just tweak something without any real information to back that up. Mm -hmm. So what I like to say is gut feeling is basically your senses, your instinct, explaining the world around you and sending you data in your brain. It's not necessarily right. It's not necessarily wrong. So I always say, don't ignore your gut instinct, couple it with data. It's imperfect. You will not be able to gather all the data in the world at all the time, but a little bit of data can take you a long way. So if you have a gut instinct that this product might be successful with your customer base, then go collect some data. Have you ever done a similar product? How did it sell? What need does it meet for that customer base? How much are they spending already? What's their purchasing power? Is there something that they would need to stop buying in order to buy a new product? These are just a few examples that you can immediately add to your gut instinct just by searching either numbers in your company or doing a little bit of customer development and immediately make a higher quality decision. And I love what you said about uh, numbers can lie. So, I love numbers. I'm a numbers guy myself. What people forget is it's important to understand where whatever number comes from. 
So you might be measuring some clicks on the website or some responses, calls to the customer center, whatever. But if you don't know where is the number coming from and what does it actually represent, you will be making bad decisions, even though you have numbers or are trying to be analytical. So understanding the logic behind things that you're measuring and tracking is so powerful in business and helps you make better decisions. So what are some tips that you can give to our listeners for things that they should look at inside of their business to start to innovate and become more efficient and really be looking at the right things to help grow their business? Few things. Number one, your existing customers are always the best, fastest source of growth always be attuned to how their world is changing. So if you're serving specific type of customers, we had really good example now with pandemic. Not everybody was equally affected by the pandemic. Those businesses that were in tune of how their customer's life changed with the pandemic were able to tweak not just their product, but their offering. Maybe their product was the same, but how they would deliver it, how they would provide customer support changed. That's one easy way to keep growing without basically introducing massive operational costs. Second one is to continuously look at the product portfolio you have and think about new customers that might use the same products. So let's say that you are in a loan mowing business. So, okay, you're selling to people that are using that in their homes, but what about uh, handyman? that want to also introduce that to their offering. That might be an adjacent business for you. So by being aware of whom else could you sell your existing products to, you can grow your business on the cheap side. The third one is looking at back to the existing customers, but introducing new stuff for them, something that you haven't offered before. Again, the easiest is if it's an add-on, if it's adding something similar to already what you have, because that's the easiest for you to develop. I would suggest that there's three starting points because they're simple, they're cheap, they're fast, and they're not necessarily the sexiest thing when people talk about innovation, something radical, something transformative. But let me tell you a dirty secret in the world of innovation. Transformative, radical, bankrupts more businesses than it creates. It's much more likely that you will go out of business by betting everything on something revolutionary than that you will be the next Uber, Facebook, Amazon, or whatever. I'm not saying that to discourage you, but just to make you aware. Because if you're investing in those smaller innovations, you will make something big at the end, but not the other way around. It's too risky. That is a dirty little secret and a good one. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Um, we need to start wrapping up um, before we go. Is there anything, Bruno, that we can do for you? Well, I think uh, you're already doing something for me. Uh, so one of the reasons I'm doing guest appearances like this one is early on in my career, I was so lucky to get access to education, good education. And that to me, you know, I am in Norway, but I come from Croatia. Uh, my family was fine, but, you know, it, it wasn't a good time in Croatia when I was growing up. And access to education allowed me to, to really get where I'm today. And efforts like this, I'm hoping that whomever is listening takes at least one useful thing and makes it a bit better for themselves and their kids. So that is, you know, be more successful. <laughs> that is what you could do for me because then more people will hear you. Well, we're okay. We're going to do that for yes, you. Yes, we we've, will. We've got you covered. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, 
And I, I think you've given our listeners plenty of things that they can um, take away and learn from this podcast. So thank you for that. Tell our listeners how they can find you, Bruno. The easiest is just go to the, my website that will be in, in show notes and you can find everything there. What I told you and more, I, I put everything available, no tricks. You will not find any paywalls or anything. Just download what you need, read what you need and reach out if you have any question or would like to have a chat. We love that approach. We do the same thing. We think that is the information should be free. So thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed the conversation and appreciate having you on. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We do these shows for you and everything that you need to know about Bruno, like he said, is in the show notes. And speaking of free stuff, we've got a ton of free content out there for you on our website, sbpace.com. We've got blogs, we've got videos, we've got courses, all sorts of stuff. And if you want to work with us, you can connect with us on social media, LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. We've got a YouTube channel and like I said, everything's on SB Pace. Also, download and rate our podcast. We would really appreciate that. And if you're feeling really generous, you could subs—that is not an easy word to say. Subscribe. You can subscribe and give us a written review, and you can talk about how difficult words and math are for Julie. Perfect. You can also reach out about topics if there's ever anything you want to hear about. And we want to remind you to go out there and purchase our number one Amazon bestseller book, Seriously Now What? A Small Business Guide to Disaster Preparedness. There is a digital workbook download available on our website. And if you've already purchased and read the book, please go out to Amazon right, and review it for us. I'm Julie. And I'm Corey. And this was BizQuick, helping small businesses across the globe. Look at us. <laughs> <laughs>